1895, the state of Ohio had only two automobiles. And wouldn't you know it, they collided. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what kind of collision we're going to have in the days ahead. If you dare vote for a decree that God finds abominable and murderous, you will answer to him. God's curse is upon you. How dare you? How dare you? defy him. Strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. When is the time for justice? The time is now. I'm tired of waiting for incremental solutions that never make any increments and never bring solutions. So when is the time for justice? It's now. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. If the court in a nation is the highest authority, then you've found a God. If the people are the highest authority, then you've found another God. If, if there's no transcendent law governing over this nation or any other nation, then you've found another God. It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. Take the guns first, go through due process second. Please clap. Just as the church has an obligation to be Christian, just as the family has an obligation to be Christian, just so the school has an obligation to be Christian, and the state, and your calling, and the school, every area of life must recognize Christ as Lord and Savior. Welcome to Cross and Crown Radio, an unapologetically Christian Reconstructionist talk show for your edification and enjoyment. Jesus is King. There is no neutrality, no exile, no surrender. My name is Jason. I'm your host. And with me tonight are my buddies, John and Jordan. Howdy, howdy. Greetings. How are you guys? Total. I'm doing awesome. How are you, Pastor? You're, I'm, I'm good. Driving in tonight, the lightning show was like the 4th of July again. It was... <laughs> Weird. <laughs> it was an absurd amount of lightning in, a, in a just a short time. But I'm okay. Hi, Jordan, you all right? Yeah, I thought maybe the apocalypse was coming, but, you know, at any moment. But we're still here. Right. We're still here. <laughs> well, we missed you last week, Jordan. Uh, we, we covered the power religion, dominion religion paradigm. Wait, you guys did this without me? Yeah. You jerks. <laughs> uh, it serves you right. <laughs> yeah. You might have been out. working. Yeah. yeah no, I... I actually listened to it. Terrific job. Excellent. I heard a lot of great comments about it. Glad to hear uh, about the power religion uh, versus dominion religion. It was terrific. Yeah, thank you. It, it was a fun discussion. I really enjoyed it, John. Just you and I getting to hash through that together. There's so much there, so much application we never really got to. Right. But you I'm, know. I'm really looking forward to almost spinning an episode per sphere of sovereignty, if you will. Yeah. yeah I think that would be really great explore some of the idols behind them and all those things um at any rate yeah it's good to ha good to be back here good to have you back jordan um as we mentioned a couple episodes ago we wanted to invite you listeners to give us a review on on itunes or facebook and and some of you've done that and i just want to get right to it and and, and read one of them that two of them actually that came through um this one is from brosiah au pretty sure it was josiah but uh, our, bro our brother in Australia. He said, about time I get around to this. In all honesty, 2019 is the year that I was first introduced to what Bonson describes as the school of thought known as theonomy. Crossing Crown Radio has been an instrumental resource in shaping my understanding, and the hosts have also been an incredible help in the Facebook group Theonomy Q&A and so on. Thank you, Josiah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Really appreciate I've that. I've spoken to Josiah a couple times. He's a good brother. He's one of our uh, Australian friends. Another I one think. from Down Under. That's yeah, right. if 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 my intuition is right, that you know, iTunes the, the name isn't there. It's just sort of an abbreviated thing. So we think we know. We think we know is. who this is. Yes. Um, another one was called by the McCallum family. That actually is a lot more clear. Though I don't know exactly if that's 
I don't know. But the title was Applied Biblical Christianity. Crossing Crown Radio isn't just about theory. This show is about applying God's law word to all of life. Sacred cows of modernity are not bowed down to. They are identified and dispatched with from the scriptures. It's a great resource for Christendom. Great. Thank you. Awesome. That's Thanks. encouraging. <laughs> we, we certainly hope so. And we believe in Christendom. You know, there's no post-Christendom society. Everything's pre-Christendom or currently Christendom as we seek to um, help footstool the nations. So thank you for the reviews. We certainly invite more. If you have any thoughts you want to share, questions, comments, please hit us up on Facebook, Cross and Crown Radio. We're there eager to interact with you. So... Uh, we did make an announcement this past week on Facebook. If you saw it, I don't know, maybe you didn't catch it. So we'll just talk about it here. But um, we are looking for businesses or now one business, right, Jordan? Yeah, we're going to announce next week. Um, we have our very first sponsor on board we'll be coming on next week. And so we're super excited about that. And mm. so there's limited space. This is an exclusive deal. Yes exclusive deal so if you have an interest if you have a business and we can partner together with you um you know we, we work it in on the cheap you know kind of we look at the current rates and you know there, there's um data that's out there but but we're, we definitely want to help you and serve you in that way and kind of work together so if you have interest hit us up let us know we'll, we'll get right with you um and the best way to do that is on facebook so all right. That said, um, we have a great episode in front of us. A little bit later, we're going to be joined up with our friend Adam Moore. Um, Adam is a Bitcoin enthusiast, to say the least. Um, he is down the rabbit hole, and he has found <laughs> some treasures. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna bring him on in a little bit. But before we get to that, you know, there is um, <laughs> there's this growing trend. Uh, it seems uh, this battle in the public sphere with regard to gun control and specifically the state's role in um, basically what we could call the minority report version of, of the crime prevention unit, um, where there's this omniscient state that's trying to know all and be all and stop these shootings from happening and so on. And so we have red flag laws that are happening. And so uh, Trump tweeted out something, right, Jordan? You had that in front of you, uh, something he said that you know is worth taking a look I at. I do. So. You know, believe it or not, Trump tweeted something, but I have to set it up because first of all, this is all in the context of mass shootings, right? We had a, a recent mass shooting, uh, two in a row. Um, it's all over the news, and you know, just been sort of the norm in the United States in the news over the past number of years, and it's just a political hot button issue. And uh, it was interesting. The one of uh, Donald Trump's opponents in the media, you know, Donald Trump doesn't like the media, and maybe for good reason, but uh, this gentleman, Chris Cuomo, who is an anchor on CNN, was caught on tape having basically a meltdown. Uh, somebody had heckled him or something, and he was just swearing, dropping F-bombs, just going off on this guy, and it was all caught on tape. And so Donald Trump, I guess, got sent this little clip of uh, Chris Cuomo having his meltdown. I, I think the guy called him Fredo which offended him as an Italian because in Godfather, Fredo's like the, the useless brother and he has several brothers that are, you know, <laughs> quite popular in politics and so forth. And uh, anyways, he took exception. So Donald Trump, he, he tweets out this. Would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant? Question mark. Filthy language and a total loss of control. He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts. All right. <laughs> So this is the this guy. Is, this is our president. I just want to make who sure who is the president. Okay, as if he's known for always keeping his cool. Yeah, right. Yeah, my goodness. Right, but <laughs> Donald but, Trump has never been caught saying something he shouldn't say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. According to that standard, he should also uh, be subject to the red flag law. But uh, Justin Amash, a very liberty-minded uh, individual in Congress, he is it senator or Congress? You know, congressman. Amash? Yeah, he's a con congressman. Congressman Amash. I'm pretty he, sure. He tweeted out in response, thank you for illustrating why Americans shouldn't trust that your red flag law won't be used arbitrarily to violate our rights. So this is a guy basically in the same political party, but going after Trump for saying, hey, this is a great example of exactly why we can't have these laws. They're such, they're so prone to just mismanagement, abuse by a, a state who is um, just proven 
to have a, a terrible track record of abusing due process law. And this is enshrining the lack of due process in law. Basically, if someone suspects you according to a number of criteria uh, of, of having a mental issue, of being depressed, of having certain um, red flags, as, the, as they said, of having made uh, threatening comments and so forth, according to someone, there's no court um, it's just somebody who's called it in, including a police officer. Anybody could call it in. And um, they look at it and they just decide whether or not to go and confiscate your guns. Right. A judge just can unilaterally make that decision based on the evidence, however he sees it or she, as it were. Yes. And, and flag it. That's where the name comes from. And you may not know this, but there are there are already red flag laws in the United States. This is a federal um, regulation that's being proposed and in I believe it's 17 states that are already have this in place well uh, congressman Thomas Massey he wrote in the National Review an interesting article on these red flag red flag laws and he's just saying they're just the wrong solution it, so he writes um, of some of its abuses in uh, in Florida where it's passed so he says Quote, during the first nine months after Florida passed its red flag law last year, judges granted more than 1,000 confiscation orders. Hmm. In the three months after Maryland's law went into effect on October 1st, more than 300 people had their guns confiscated. In one case in Arundel County, a 61-year-old man died when the police stormed his home at 5 a.m. to take away his guns. Connecticut and Indiana, which have had these laws in effect for the longest time, have seen increasingly large numbers of confiscation orders. Little certainty is needed. Initial confiscations often require just a, quote, reasonable suspicion, suspicion mm -hmm. which is little more than a guess or a hunch. When hearings occur uh, uh, weeks or a month later, about a third of these initial orders are overturned, but the actual error rate is undoubtedly much higher. These laws make no provisions to cover legal costs, and many people facing these charges do not retain counsel. These laws let the government take away firearms from people who are arrested, but not convicted of any crime. Even simple complaints without arrests have, have been enough. That is quite a violation of due process, and hopefully the courts will strike down the provision. So this is an Orwellian nightmare, <laughs> essentially. Um, you say the wrong thing. And suddenly you have your Second Amendment rights stripped away from you. Absolutely. Uh, and not to say that there are inflammatory remarks being made. Obviously, we, you know, that's that's kind of how it's it's going to be that way until well, regeneration sets in. Everybody <laughs> wants their opponents not to be armed and they want their side to be armed. So it really just depends on, like, who's going to be deciding these things. Mm -hmm. This might seem like a good, a good idea to certain Republicans, when Donald Trump's the president, but they're not going to like this when, you know, God forbid, like a Bernie Sanders is president or something. And you have these people who are fake conservatives, and I don't even really like the term conservative, frankly. People like Dan Crenshaw, the kind of up-and-coming yeah. popular Republican, uh, with the guy with the eye patch, yep. that guy. <laughs> and uh, he's even supporting red flag laws, and he's actually trying to uh, come up out of thin air, frankly, the idea that he's in favor of conservative red flag laws. And mm -hmm. then there's these liberal red flag. No, all of it is a rejection of due process. And this is happening not just with red flag laws, but within conservatism in general, yeah, even Christianity in general, this losing, losing the, uh, the importance of these really core principles of justice where due, justice, due, due process is just disregarded altogether, depending on what you're talking about. Uh, so if you have like a popular uh, judge running for governor, like a Roy Moore, everybody's like, due process, due process, due process. But you don't care at all about due process if you're talking about an immigrant. Mm -hmm. You don't care at all about due process if you're talking about taking away guns. Yeah, but it's the same guys that'll fly the don't tread on me flag with the thin blue line flag. You know who's going to come for your guns. Right, right. Exactly. The judge is going to give an order and the police are going to show up. Right. You know, the, the, the your heroes in blue are going to come with their militarized weapons, crash in the door 5 a.m. That's ridiculous for one. Can we can we not do an afternoon raid um, <laughs> or no raid preferentially? 
but, but this is this is all the the presuppositions that we bring to the table um, with regard to due process liberty. Are we either going to have? I think it was Chesterton. You know, man's going to either be governed by te- the Ten Commandments or oh, no. uh, yeah, or right. you know uh, thousands of commandments. And yes. you, so we reject the law of liberty for the law of tyranny. And this is what you get. And you're right, Franklin. I know which quote you're referring to, but you know, if, <laughs> liberty <laughs> or security. Yes. What, what are you going to choose? And that's what we've done, right? We've passed off individual liberty, thinking that the state now has this ability to read the minds of people. This is a pre-crime unit. That's what it is. Um, no crime other than abhorrent speech. What? Again, we acknowledge probably there has been abhorrent speech, death threats, and things oh, I, like that. I'm sure there has been, but it's the same. It's the same principle behind the preemptive war policy of the war hawks under the uh, the Bush regime. Mm-hmm. It's the same neoconservative principles, but the domestic version. While they have this preemptive war philosophy and foreign policy, this is the same idea. So let's just take away due diligence. Let's just take away due process. Let's take away two or more witness, witnesses, and just off of a whim off of opinion, off of an autonomous decision, mm-hmm. almost always for some sort of political gain to, to act in this sort of executive manner. And it's a lot completely of it tyrannical. It's yeah. just political opportunism, too, because anytime there's a catastrophe like this, people cry out to the politicians, you know, what are you going to do about it? And they love to get up there and be like, well, I've got this red flag legislation, and I'm going to make sure... This is not going to happen again. You know, it doesn't work. These laws do not work. They do not prevent mass shootings. And another thing is, I think we need to zoom out and look at the root causes of these mass shootings. Because the whole presupposition of these red flag laws is like, oh, we can see the pattern. We can see that they've uttered this, or they've said that, or they've done this. But that's just addressing it at the last, very last step. What are the root causes of these mass shootings? And I would submit that there's a root cause that we are not allowed to discuss in civil society out there, and that is our public school system. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to point out how every single one of these mass shooters was bred in a public school environment. Now, I want to be very careful. I'm not saying that going to public school means you're going to turn into a mass shooter. What I am saying is that everybody who has been a mass shooter, everyone, I challenge anybody to find any that were not. Um, trained up in in these U.S. uh, public schools. And what's going on in the public schools? They're teaching Darwinian evolution. We're all molecules and matter, and the universe is indifferent, and, you know, meaningless evolution. There's no transcendent purpose that's taught. Mm -hmm. They're taught to set aside the law of God, the word of God, the existence of God, and pursue knowledge completely independently of it. Um, they're at the same time put into this system where there's an, you add bullying to that, you add social ostracization to that. Um, you add this whole toxic atmosphere, uh, to that along with the, you know, the, the, uh, the diminishing of the family. Uh, it's a toxic mix and it, I'm not saying again that public schools, if you go there, you'll, you'll create children who do this. I'm saying that this system will create statistically some of these shooters it just will you, you put enough situate enough kids enough situation it's going to come out and we have to start uh, talking to ourselves and talking in, in society what are we teaching what are what are the uh, what is the the theology and what are the philosophies that these people are are operating off of what are we teaching our children that contribute to these um, marginalizing these these uh, individuals who end up doing these crazy mass shootings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the public school systems, and I agree, I, I do think it's the perfect environment um, for this sort of socialization where people go off the deep end. It's the Petri dish, if you will. But like what's growing inside that Petri dish? I, I think it's, for lack of a better word, hatred, um, a lack of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to uh, over-spiritualize it, but it is a spiritual matter. And these these people... In these public schools, these these kids, these young people, almost all the time, it's almost always young men, not always, but almost always young men, um, are in an environment where demonization is normative, where hatred is normative, while classism and tribalism and classism are normative. And they're not being taught compassion. They're not being taught empathy. That's because nobody cares about that in those sort of structures. It's mm-hmm. never about empathy in those structures. It's never about service 
in those sort of structures. The whole structure is built on power and authority, but power based off of certain classes of individual put over another person, and then they're thrown into society where they're going to suffer. Yeah. And they're going to be hated, and they're going to be uh, scorned, and they, they, they strike back. And, and that we, doesn't take away any personal responsibility at all. Yeah. But I think there is a lack of ministry to young people, especially in the public school environments. And we think throwing more money at the school is going to be the solution. That's the other problem. But look, you you look at the unraveling of our culture, and that's what it is. It really is. Um, we've had a horrific history, you know. We just came upon what was it the 400th anniversary, right, of the first slave ship arriving. Um, you know, there's these this history of war and violence. Um, I was just looking back stu- through some stuff I preached um, last year. You know, we're we're about we are close to spending a trillion dollars a year on quote unquote national defense, and um, as far as I know, no one's you know tried to bomb us from another country, but we're but we're killing ourselves. You know, this unraveling of culture with sexual deviancy, uh, school shootings or, or shootings out in Walmart or wherever these places are, uh, synagogue shootings, right? The one in Pittsburgh that happened. Um, the unraveling is the result and the fruit of, of a humanist culture bent on burning itself out in self-worship. Yeah. And that's the fruit of it. Th- these are all the, the fruits of a God-hating you know, purposeless, Jordan, you brought up the Darwinian thing. I mean, you're told that your your existence is an accident. It doesn't matter. So what's going to happen in the mind? What's the logical conclusion of that worldview? Well, we have it. Death. Death. And, and if the teachers aren't explicitly saying it, kids aren't stupid. If they're being told, you know, this is what happened. This is the genesis of our universe. This is how it all happened. And, you know, there's no, um, they're, they're leaving out God as the driver of history. Then they're going to put two and two together. This is unguided. This is meaningless. I'm going to be warm food one day and it doesn't matter. So, you know, you just insert any escape of a philosophy and you insert that into that starting point and you have a recipe for disaster. And one more thing, you add in the culture of like, you don't think they notice that we're we're allowing the slaughter of of millions of, of unborn babies every year and the callousness that in that we have in society to that evil, you know, the, the degradation of the importance of human life and image bearers, you know, life is cheap and they treat it like it's cheap. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And sometimes the, con- the conservative re- retort um, is talking about statistics saying that actually gun violence isn't, act- you know, going up and that very well may be true, but it shouldn't be like this at all. Right. Going up or going down, like I don't really care. It shouldn't be like this at all. And, and oftentimes, like the the liberal position is blame the guns, and we know that's not correct. And the conservative position sometimes will blame mental illness. Well, there's there's mental illness all over the world. There's video games all over the world. Yeah. That's also a absolutely ridiculous position. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's happening is dehumanization and hatred and the lack of the Holy Spirit, and that's everywhere. In our context in America, it's going to happen with guns because there's more guns. In China, it's going to happen with knives because mm-hmm. there's knives. In the UK, same thing, knives. Exactly. And one more point about these red flag laws, they're not going to stop one person who is determined to get a gun to get a gun. Mm-hmm. Like, have, have we not learned that when the government made drugs illegal, that just made all the drugs go away, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no <laughs> drugs at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, before we get to the break, I just want to say, Justin Amash, if you are listening. <laughs> and Thomas Massey. Of course they're Massey. listening. Of course they're listening. Look, I, I love that guy. Um, Justin Amash, not too long ago, uh, basically wrote an article abandoning the Republican Party, yeah. um, which was you know, yeah, probably did, long time was overdue. That form, did he formally leave the Republican Party? I, I know he like really went after um, Trump. Yeah, I'm no, not he, sure. He did. Okay. Did he? he did. Well, that's okay. balls. Because he went back and... And he did a town hall meeting. Um, he's from Michigan, and <clears throat> so is yours truly. Um, yeah, yeah. I like to take credit for Amash's success. No, uh, <laughs> but um, he he did a town hall meeting, and this was after basically wanting to start articles of impeachment on Trump. And if there is anything you could do to commit political suicide, it suggests that your own party has issues, right? Right. But thankfully, people were behind him. I mean, I'm behind him. 
you know, and, and if you're listening and you're thinking, well, what, you don't like Trump? What do you want, Hillary? And that's your response? I don't, I can't, I'm not going to, I'm not. Between, wanna, between two evils, pick neither. We yeah. want to impeach them all. <laughs> yeah, we, it's, like that can't be the only decision. And we're coming up on another election and not too long from now, and we have the same argument going back and forth. Um, but the reality is we, we don't need, we don't need, um, we don't have to have one single party. Uh, both parties have their own socialistic flair. Both parties are doing their own thing. So, yeah, and we're we're post millennial. We don't want to be all doom and gloom. Yeah. But let me just just underline what you're saying, Pastor. <laughs> we don't need the Republican Party. The Kingdom of God does not need the Republican Party. It definitely doesn't need Donald Trump, and we definitely don't need the Democratic Party either. Yeah. Indeed. Amen. All right. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break and come back, get Adam on the phone. We're going to talk about the Bitcoin. I'm so excited that for this. That magical money thing. Yeah, it's going to be great. So stay tuned. We'll be right back in a second. Total. in the bag are his work. Proverbs 16:11. Welcome back to Crossing Crown Radio. We are excited about our guest Adam Moore. He's on the phone. We're going to talk about money and Bitcoin. Um, we we're going to dive right into that. Um, Adam, thanks for being with us. Jordan, say a little bit about Adam. Adam Moore is a ruling elder in a PCA church near Philadelphia and has a wife and four kids. He works for a godless organization which shall not be named. Dun, dun, dun. He's, he's hosted podcasts like Reformed and Reloaded. And by the way, go check out that group. It's a sweet group, Reformed and Reloaded on Facebook, where he admins, I believe. And uh, and he's also hosted Dat Post Mill, which we love, that podcast that used to run a long time ago. He spends his free time learning and talking about Bitcoin and Austrian economics, which means you are my brother. So welcome to Crossing Crown Radio, Adam Moore. Welcome, Adam. Guys, thank you. Thank you for having me. A real pleasure to talk to you guys about one of my favorite topics. Yes, we're excited to dig in. What the listener may or may not know is Adam is a good friend of ours. So Very good friend. Um, yes. we, we, we've we'll met in real life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we even... We, IRL friends. Yes. <laughs> we, we even hung out. We have a picture. Uh, we hung out at Mount Vernon one time. That was, that was fun. Yeah. It was good. So yeah, we Adam, thanks for being here. We just want to kind of get in and, and pick your brain a little bit on Bitcoin, especially. But first, kind of a broader understanding of money. If we could just start there, um, let's talk about what what is money. What's a good definition of money? How do we know if it's legit or not? Um, and then we can kind of build on that foundation. Yeah. So as you probably have heard from lots of preachers before, Jesus talks about money almost more than any other topic other than maybe hell or something like that. And and money is one of those issues that gets thrown around in the church, you know, for good or for bad. But um, we really we really take the time to actually understand what money really is. Um, one of the things that I've been really thinking about over the last few years is is kind of a, what, a, what a definition of money is. Like everybody, if you just ask a kid, you know, what is money? They'll tell you it's paper or it's coins. Um, they might point to, uh, you know, a checking account or something like that. But, but really when we think about money, money is something that you store your value in for something for, mm -hmm. for uh, future use, you know, something you're going to use it to spend on later or to, to purchase something with later. 
Um, you really actually, when you're acquiring money, you actually purchase money, but you really don't think about purchasing money, but you actually, you actually buy it. You buy it with either your goods or your labor. Um, so it's something that you can store your value in until you need it later. Right. So you could store your value in something that you could trade with somebody else, right? Like, uh, like a hammer or, you know, loose cigarettes or beanie babies or, or, you know, antique dressers or anything you could store your, your value in. But the thing is, you're going to want to store your value in something that most other people are going to want in the future, right? So right. what the, the question is then, like, what do other people want in the future? Some people want hammers. Some people want antique dressers. Some people like blue cigarettes. But, you know, you want something that is uh, other people, you can be pretty confident later on in the future. Other people are going to want it. So it's something that's what's called saleable, right? So you can actually sell it to somebody else. Uh, you want a money that's it's durable, that's going to not degrade over time, right? So classically, people have used things like gold and silver and copper to, to transact its money because they knew that they weren't going to tarnish or weather or they weren't going to you know, be corrupted by, by something later on. Also, uh, money is something that's uh, portable. You can you know, carry around with you. You know, antique dressers will fail that test every time. You can't, you know... <laughs> Uh, cart them around and, you know, trade with them on a regular basis. Uh, uh, divisible, that's another um, aspect of money. Um, you, you can't really divide a hammer or a dresser to pay for a pack of gum. Um, although cigarettes, for instance, you could, you know, split up a pack of 20 and give them to somebody um, and it'd be kind of divisible. Well, also, what about beanie, beanie Babies? <laughs> beanie Babies, well, people, <laughs> yeah. Little fun fact, in case you didn't know, eBay when eBay started, uh, like Beanie Babies was like the number one selling item on yeah. on eBay, and that's kind of where that that trend started from. Um, but yeah, so we think about money. Uh, we think we think we kind of know what money is, but when you really stop to think about it, um, you know, like I mentioned, gold and silver have historically been used as money, but they're not the only things that have been used as money. People have used um, things like beads and and uh, stones and seashells and, and all throughout uh, human history, people have used various things. And even in the Bible, people have used yeah. uh, many different things. They've used gold and silver, but they've also used, you know, flax and wool and grain and uh, wine and, and lots of other things. And I, I remember right after World War II, um, when uh, the German Deutschmark was almost worthless because they printed so much of it, people were using cognac and cigarettes as money. And cigarettes were for small transactions and cognac was for larger transactions. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So, Adam, I just wanted to ask you, so as we sort of, you know, yeah, and you kind of pointed out in, in biblical times, there was different things that were used for money. Uh, money has been around for thousands of years. Two questions. How did we then get to what we have now, which is fiat currency and fiat money? And then out of that, how in the world did we get to this Bitcoin thing? And so how, yeah, yeah, so, how did it all uh, get, get here? So, so one of the things that I talked about first was like one of the, the main characteristics of money is that it's saleable so that you know that other people are going to want it over time, right? So gold and silver have, have stood what's called the Lindy test or the, 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 uh, the uh, idea that something has been in existence for a long time and it's going to continue to be in existence for, for later. So people generally have recognized that gold and silver have been, uh, have been used for a long time. But the reason that they have been used is because they are scarce commodities, right? You can't just uh, you know, pick one off a tree or grow uh, new gold at will. You have to do a very expensive, labor-intensive process of mining to, to dig it out of the earth. And so... Uh, the thing about gold and silver is they have some what's called a very uh, high stock to flow ratio, which means um, it's something economists use to, to talk about the supply, uh, you know, how sound a money is. And gold has a high stock to flow ratio. So over the last 6,000 years, we've been mining gold, and the entire stock that we have uh, is, is quite a lot of a stock of gold. So if we used all the, the energy that we have really and, and effort to mine new gold out of the earth, we would only be able to maybe, uh, in comparison to the current total stock over the that's been mined over the last 6,000 years, we'd probably only be able to come up with one more percent gold uh, as a percentage. So it's very hard to inflate gold. It's a little bit easier to inflate silver, but uh, for the most part, those two things um, have been have been used. 
Now you mentioned uh, fiat money. How did we get there? So the thing about gold and silver is uh, gold is, is heavy to transport, right? And it's also easily confiscatable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just lots of wars have been fought over gold and silver. And when somebody comes in with a bigger army than yours and they demand you hand over your gold and silver, you have to do it. So, um, and the same thing with people breaking into other people's houses. And so historically people have, have stored their wealth in banks and, uh, we, and banks have functioned very well. Uh, for a long period of time. But what happened, what started to happen over the course of history is that banks and governments got a little tricky. So they said, we'll take in the gold, we'll store it for you, and we will give you a receipt. Or we'll give you a certificate saying that your gold is is available in the bank, uh, available uh, on demand, and we'll give you the certificate. And you can use that certificate to trade with other people. And that's that's where we've got fiat. So, um, over time, what happened is, uh, you know, you can read about the history of fractional reserve banking and how uh, more loans were made out of the gold and silver that were in the vault than they actually had. So, you know, it, it became inflationary. And in, in 1913, the, the Federal Reserve Act was was signed, which eventually ended up, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about all this stuff, but uh the Federal Reserve Act was, was signed in 1913, eventually leading to going off the gold standard in 1933, and then again in 1971, basically the collapse of, of that system. So the question is, uh, for me, at least as a Christian, why is that a bad thing? Like, shouldn't we just obey what the government says? Like, government says greenbacks are money. Like, you know, shouldn't we be using that as money. Right, because the whole system right now is is predicated on this notion that it's it's based on faith. So the government says it's worth something, therefore we're to act like it's worth something, and it all kind of goes forward on faith. Yeah, they talk about like the full faith and credit of the United States, and um, and which is ironic because, you know, on our money it says in God we trust, and, and that's pretty much the, the only thing that's backing uh, the U.S. dollar right now is, is just the faith uh, it's actually kind of a blasphemy to, to put in God we trust because you're the way they've inflated the way the money supply. Um, but anyway, so fast forward to the situation we're at now um, and and kind of how this relates to Bitcoin. Over the last many years, especially since 1971, we've experienced as a country and as uh, in the entire world a lot of inflation, which means central banks and governments print new money. So they add additional dollars into the economy, right? So that has the effect in kind of a biblical way of, of tipping the scales in the government's favor or watering down the money supply. And God actually calls that uh, uh, an abomination when you, when you tip the scales in the favor of, of someone else. Right, because the money is supposed to represent all the goods and services in the economy. And when the government just inflates that money supply, it makes all the goods that you hold and all your savings that much less worth or that much more worthless. Right. Well, it, and it's and, stealing. Yeah, exactly. It's stealing the value more. But it's it's a so, tricky it's, tax, isn't it? It's 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 so much so much uh, more popular because it's not a formal tax, but it's it's eats away at money just the same. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's a stealth tax that we've kind of um, just accepted as a society that, you know, inflation happens, things are more expensive next year, and that's just kind of the price we pay to live in a society. But one thing that Christians haven't really thought about too much is the fact that why is the why is the government the one who creates money? Right? So people transacted with money before there were governments, before somebody put their stamp on it, before Caesar, you know, put his own face on the coins. People were using gold and silver. It was, but it was just uh, done by weight. So they they could tell, you know, what was gold and what was silver, and they did it by weight, and that was the end of it. There was no, you know, um, you know, having to convert from one currency to the next because people were just using uh, gold. You know, they were just using uh, uh, the actual metal. Um, once, and it's funny not to get too eschatological in this particular episode, but you notice that um, the beast of Revelation, which represents, which a lot of Christians believe represents the state kind of in general, um, he says that you cannot buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. 
It's at Romans so, 12, I think. Yeah. Uh, or uh, or Revelation 12. 12. Yeah. Yeah, re- yeah. Yeah. Revelation 12. And, and so over, over history, whether you look in uh, the book of Samuel or you look in our first Samuel, or if you look in Revelation or even in Jesus's day, um, people were, were made to buy and sell at the whim of the government, right? So you had to be doing things the government's way with the government's money, and you could only transact uh, if you had the what's called legal tender. And, um, and really, that's not the, the state does not have the right, the biblical right, uh, or moral or ethical right to uh, be the sole arbiter of what is money and, and what we should be using for money. And that's um, an important, the, yeah. I think that's an important segue right there. The government is not to be the arbiter of what money is. That, that point you made about money predating government, that weights and measures are what government is, and a Caesar stamp on it does not make it money. So that takes us right into the Bitcoin discussion because that's that's such an important point, I think, as to why it's it's needed and why Bitcoin even came about. But that's what I'd like you to, to talk about now. And obviously, you could probably talk for hours about, you know, the genesis of Bitcoin and there's so much detail and Satoshi and all this kind of stuff. But could you give us sort of the Bitcoin for dummies um, lowdown on on where it came from and then why like you know why it was created and then what it is what is bitcoin and, and where did it come from what oh uh, the, the last thing i'll say before i jump into that is you really cannot divorce your your view of bitcoin and what it is and what its value proposition is without understanding what money is so mm-hmm. if, if you're if you're still a little bit fuzzy on that stuff i i recommend you reading uh any number of austrian economists we uh, F.A. Hayek or, or, or Rothbard or, or lots of other uh, Bombavirk who they talk about value money. And once you understand what money is, then Bitcoin makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So, and we'll so post this, this, some, this, some books in the show notes. Sure, yeah, and, and there are lots, lots of them. And there's a huge amount of overlap between um, Austrian economics, biblical economic thought, and, and the Bitcoin community, which is what's been very attractive to me. Yeah. So, I mean... Basically, what what is Bitcoin? Um, uh, it's really a digital money system that's peer to peer. So it disintermediates the government. It doesn't ask the government for permission to exist, and it really is a. It's basically like a, a ledger system that um, it that records value between um, multiple parties. So. Um, just in a, in a very, very basic way, if you really don't understand Bitcoin, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to break it down in a very, very basic way. It's basically a ledger system that uh, everybody keeps a copy of that is updated uh, every 10 minutes, basically. And, um, and all the transactions that happen between different people are recorded for everybody to see so that everyone can verify who has what amount of money at any one particular point in time. Hmm. So that, that's done through a, a computer network. So each individual, um, uh, each person can can run their own what's called a node or a computer that's running the Bitcoin software, and the software that's on the computer um, will basically determine what Bitcoin is and and how how it functions and the rules of the game. I see. So so, um, so yeah. if if you have like a massive server that gets blown up that doesn't mean that all the bitcoin goes away because it's decentralized there are every computer every phone every node that is running bitcoin um, can verify the existence of the bitcoin and so it makes it much harder for you know not only a disaster or something to just wipe it all out but for it to be abused by status interference and so forth Right, exactly. And one of the one of the the amazing um, so Bitcoin was created. The white paper came out uh, October thirty first, two thousand eight, by an anonymous uh, author or authors named Satoshi Nakamoto, and he came up with the idea for it. And he's building on some cryptographic uh, uh, concepts and ideas that had been really through the seventies, eighties, and nineties uh, been developed by various what's called cypherpunks or people who were interested in in privacy and um, circumventing government, uh, more than bureaucracy, uh, tyranny. And so uh, he released the first version of Bitcoin on January 3rd, 2009, 
what's called the Genesis block and in, encoded in the Genesis block. Like you've heard, like, you know, the first thing said on the moon was one, you know, uh, one step for man, one giant leap for mankind or, right. or, uh, you know, what has, what has God wrought, you know, with the telegram, but you know, Samuel Morse, um, the very first thing was chancellor on brink of second bailout for banks. And it was the financial times of London. Wow. Um, and, and so the, the concept was the banks, uh, the, the, the chancellor was going to bail out banks by giving basically taxpayer money or printing new money in order to, uh, to bail out banks. And this was kind of a, a planting a flag in the ground stating, you know, this is a system that's not, um, it's basically it's basically a uh, thumbing your nose at at central banks and governments and saying we're not going to take uh, what you consider money money anymore because it's not really worth anything and you've been inflating your money away you've been bailing out banks you've been basically stealing from people and we're going to create a completely new system of value and, and the ability to store value and wealth um, amongst the people that can't be censored, that can't be altered, that can't be, um, you know, I don't need permission from the government to run Bitcoin. It just, it just does. And so, uh, so Adam, I mean, it's essentially, I was just going to say, essentially it's the, um, when we talk about defying tyrants, this is a very practical measure is what you're saying because the, the the inflation and the way we're doing fiat currency now is just going to destroy the economy. It's inevitably it's going to crumble. Correct. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. And so, like the government, one of the things that you, once you kind of go down the rabbit hole, you realize how the government has been able to propagate itself and to creep into every area of life because of the ability of the, the monetary printing press. Like they would never be able to if they had if they were able to tax people, or if they had to tax people for for foreign wars, or if they had to tax people for. Um, all the entitlements that they give out, you know, people would revolt, but, um, we've, we've succumbed. We've kind of, you know, the frog in the boiling water kind of trope. Uh, we've, we've gotten, uh, just used to, this is the way that things happen. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of like a, a bloodless way to, to, to enslave everyone by using their monetary system. So this monetary system is completely outside the government. Um, and it, it, so far it's been going on for 10 years and it works beautifully and it, and it continues to get better and better. All right. So we're, you know, we're reconstructionists here at Crossing Ground Radio and we're very interested in rebuilding everything on the word of God, oh, taking yeah. God's transcendent law principles and, you know, taking it to all areas of life. And so when we talk about money, that's no different. And so, I mean, this could be for everybody, Pastor Jason, John, uh, Adam. So what are the biblical principles? Uh, if, you know, what what transcendent principles can we take out of uh, scripture, either in the New or the Old Testament, whether it's civil law? What is what does God care about with regard to how we interact with money, how we use money, and what money is? What are the principles? And then, because I want to get to, you know, does how well does Bitcoin match up with that? Okay, so, so that's so, for anyone. Well, I mean, I'll just say this up front, just because I've I was reading it and thinking about it today, but the principle of ownership is rooted in God being the owner of the cattle on the thousand hills, right? The earth is, is the Lord's and the fullness therein. So God is the supreme owner. So there's this principle built within the character and nature of God himself, where he is the creator and we are a derivative of his creative handiwork. So there's, there is real ownership and it's ownership that is accountable to God and responsible to right? Responsible towards others. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind is especially yeah. when we think about money or private property and then how we interact as individuals with each other in matters of justice and mercy um, and service towards one another. Yeah, you know, the that's where the part. moral ought is, because right. you could say um, fiat currency is fine if there's no moral ought. Once there's a moral ought, that's the grounding. And so I think that's the exactly the perfect place to start with it. John. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is always going to be built on ethics, 
first? Like, what does the law word of God say? And there's multiple places, a few places in Proverbs and Deuteronomy and Leviticus where it talks about just weights and measures. Uh, specifically, I just brought this up, Leviticus 19.36, you shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah, a just hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And, and what was going on was they were they were cutting into the money supply sometimes and putting cheap metals yeah. into more valuable metals, therefore uh, decreasing the value and 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 essentially cheating people. And what inflation's doing now, just like we were talking about, is you might still have five dollars in your pocket, but your five dollars goes like not as far. Right. So just yeah. with that specific your buying verse, power is decreased. Right. With that specific verse you brought up about the epa on the hand, and you talked about the gold being diluted. Um, there should be an understanding between buyer and seller. Buyer knows what he's purchasing, and it's not secretly diluted. And when he's um, he's giving money to the seller, he that money that he's giving had better not be watered down. There should be transparency so that the buyer knows what he's getting when he takes the money. Right. It's, it's that transparency and mutual understanding of what is being bought and what is being sold that that I believe that God cares. That's if I get to pull out the principle from that. Right. Right. Yes. And part of that principle is what you're describing is free market economics. And it doesn't necessarily have to be gold coins or silver coins. It doesn't even necessarily have to be Bitcoin, though. I think that's a great tool. Uh, it's more of a matter of like, it needs to be a, a tool that's fair and it's not going to be manipulated by third parties for their own gain. And the government can very much be a third party manipulating it for its own gain. <laughs> always that third party. Yeah. Okay. So, so, now, so go ahead, Adam. Gold, no, I was going to say, yeah, so gold uh, coins were, were clipped. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with this idea that, you know, somebody would, would uh, clip the edges of the coins and then they would melt down the shavings and then create new coins. And so that was a way that they were cheating. And when they, they took in a coin, they clipped it, they handed it back out. They weren't giving, you know, a pound, you know, or a shekel of, of weight. They were giving a little bit less. And so, and God says that a false weight is an abomination. So really um, d- diluted, like so God calls lots of things in the Bible abominations. And, and well, actually not that many things, but there are a few select things. And when he calls things abominations, that means... He really, really doesn't like it. Um, but a false weight, so which to me, a false weight is it, um, it, it's worse than stealing and breaking into someone's house and stealing. And this is why it's because there is a trust and a rapport that's created in the marketplace between neighbor and neighbor, right? You go into your local supermarket and a person's smiling at you and you're trusting that they're not sticking their hand down on the scale, you know, when they're weighing your bananas, right? Charging you more money. If they were doing that or if they were, underhandedly uh, charging you more money, meanwhile smiling in your face, like that would, that's, that's a, that's almost a worse breach of trust than it would be if they would just, you know, well, it's like people don't, you know, despise the thief that they steal, you know, to, to steal a loaf of bread when they're hungry. Um, That's kind of mixing biblical metaphors, I suppose. But, but the, the, the point is that, you know, breaking in stealing, you know, you can get caught. This, this is an extra devious way of, of thievery and theft that kind of tears at the tears at like the the fabric of the fabric of society you know the the, the, yes. the meme um and and so it's it's especially insidious and the government has been doing it to us uh for for 100 years and and it's really it, it creates all when you go down the rabbit hole of, of bitcoin like you can really see how it has destroyed Lots of different things in our society, and, including education, education, immigration, uh, yeah. war, um, uh, entitlement, uh, work ethic, the ability to save your money. I mean, think about it. If your money is going to be worth less tomorrow than it is today, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we're poor, right? Because what what, what is the point of me saving my money if it's going to be uh, debased tomorrow? Yeah, Adam, and it kind of comes back to what you were getting at earlier when you were defining money in terms of a store of value and that value is connected to your labor. When we talk about biblical principles, we're talking about the dominion covenant and our labor has, has worth, right? It has intrinsically tied to, to it worth. Most people, you know, they just sort of wake up, they go to, they do their job and magically they get a, you know, a direct deposit of numbers in their bank account. And, but they don't see, necessarily the correlation of value and labor 
and how, you know, Marx, of course, flipped that around. And, you know, that creates a whole nother issue, issue with regard to economics. Um, but according to scripture, you have a man's labor is valuable because it also contributes to society. It contributes to your neighbor. And, and we are working ultimately for God um, under his authority. So that's why I, I think, you know, with Bitcoin, gold and silver, by the way, if you want to get gold and silver, you know, silver, holler, holler at me. But um, <laughs> but but I think I think that the what most Christians do fail to see and that's because you know we can trace this back it's not taught in churches it's not it's not preached about you know throw some of these verses in the lap of your average preacher that you know what is a false weight i i guess i don't know and how that connects but it's it's this idea of a free market exchange between individuals that's uncoerced and that's why statism is evil in part in part that's why inflation is evil you, you mentioned fractional reserve banking i know jordan we've had that conversation several times but there's so many layers to it and all of it is tied to the fact that the state is putting its hands where it shouldn't and creating right. and, and creating money out of thin air one thing that I, I find fascinating is you know when somebody goes uh, a pharisee comes to jesus and said you know should we be paying taxes to caesar and uh, you know the the classic response render under Caesar or Caesars and Christians use use that to kind of say like well you know we owe the government money, but but the point is the point of what Jesus said he says uh, render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's so basically the fiat money or the money that Caesar says it is has has his image on it render unto God the things that are God's and you mentioned that God owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills uh, he owns everything including our labor including the product of our labor so. Our labor does not belong to Caesar. Our, our yeah, labor is point. our labor. And so for us to store our wealth in a monetary, uh, uh, in a monetary system that um, Caesar claims to own, really, like, I could make a, a theological case that that's, uh, that's, some, that's idolatry or blasphemy. I mean, I'm, I'm basically saying uh, I've created this, I, I use my labor and my goods and my services but I'm choosing to store my wealth in Caesar's money, in the money that Caesar says that I have to use to transact and I have to pay my taxes in and that I have to, you know, you know, somebody tries to create a secondary uh, um, monetary system and, and they try to get, they get shut down. And that's actually happened. If you remember the Liberty dollar, I don't know right. if you're familiar with that. That's a great point. Um, and, and that, that, you know, point about Caesar. And we, as we think about statism and we think that statism is the largest beast that's afflicting the church today. So, um, we only have a few minutes left, but sure. maybe we could talk about, uh, briefly how Bitcoin undermines statism and, and what it does, um, that, that the statists really don't like about it and can they shut it okay. down? You know? Well, there are what's, what are called many attack vectors and surface, you know, attack surface areas for, for Bitcoin. Um, you know, someone says, well, what if they shut down the Internet or what if the computer network gets degraded or what if there's a hack or, or what if, uh, like, Bitcoin's heavily based on cryptography and what if somebody breaks all those things. Um, uh, there's a lot more to, for me to say about, you know, why why Bitcoin is safe and secure. Um, but the thing that, that really... Um, sticks out in my mind is that God created gold and silver, gold and silver, things that, that God made that, that we've used for, for, um, for money. Uh, the government introduced the fiat money and money with Caesar's image on it, which was basically worthless. And then Bitcoin is a way to, to take back the value to sell. You could sell your fiat dollars or sell your dirty fiat dollars and convert it into Bitcoin, convert it into gold and silver as as a statement against caesar and against uh what he stands for um the, the problem with gold and silver is that it's um it has the properties of money that, that we talked about a little bit earlier you know like saleable and divisible and things like that the problem with it is you know we live in a digital world we live in a world where we're ordering things on amazon or we are uh you know people don't want to carry around big heavy coins in their pockets and they want to be able to transact with people around the world um cryptography and math and and honesty and trust which are embedded like the bitcoin system makes makes it very very difficult for anyone to cheat anybody else all those things are of god so bitcoin is something that uses math cryptography things that god has actually made and uses it in a human cooperate 
cooperative sense in order to glorify God. And I think about, I, I, I've used this analogy before. Bitcoin is either going to be the Tower of Babel 2.0. It's going to be us deciding, you know, we're, we're going to, uh, you know, reach up to the heavens with God, or it is a direct way that God is using um, human ingenuity and, and uh, his just common grace to mankind in order to reverse the curse of sin. Hmm. So right, to rever- yeah, to right now, reverse the damage that has been done by by fiat currency. Right now, you know, Bitcoin is a little bit on on shaky waters just because it's, you know, it's relatively new. Uh, is is it that there's a critical mass that has to be hit where people are actually using it to buy things before it will begin to actually make a challenge to the current system? How does that play out? Well, so in my opinion, the long-term play for Bitcoin is that it's the final unit of account, that it's like the, the gold in the bank that everyone will be transacting on. Like it, It's like the final settlement later. Today, you'll see lots of other cryptocurrencies um, emerge. They're sometimes called altcoins. Uh, and they're, they're used, people say, well, you know, this, this particular version of Bitcoin is faster or, or it provides more transactions or it does this, it does this thing. Um, really, there it, it's basically like the internet. Like, there's not two internets. There's one internet. There's an internet protocol, and then and then everything is built on top of that. So people trying to 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 sell you the idea, like you know, Bitcoin's okay, but I, I really like blockchain technology. You don't really need blockchain. Blockchain is garbage. Blockchain is slow. It's inefficient. The only reason why you use blockchain is because you're trying to build a system that's based on trust. Um, unforgeability like you can't you can't tamper with it you can't mess with it and um it, it it's really this uh it's really a system that we can use to take the the government uh scam and and really convert it into um the store of wealth for for future generations so um if you were gonna if you wanted to get into bitcoin yeah that's what I we're would, gonna ask I you would, about next if you're yeah, a beginner yeah some easy steps. If you're, begin- if you're a beginner, there is so there's really so much to learn, and there's it's kind of daunting, and it, you might not want to, you know, put a lot of uh, time and effort into to kind of like some of this nerdy stuff that that goes into it. Cryptography, yeah, you got to start and, somewhere. And computer science stuff. Yeah, yeah, you really do. So, so the easiest thing to do, and even longtime Bitcoiners that I've heard, uh, in, in my opinion, Bitcoin is will be the the final unit of account. For all all transactions around the world, like that that will be that'll be the final the finality thing. Um, all fiat currencies will eventually collapse in Bitcoin, in in my opinion. So it, it's an it's a terrible thing if since there are only 21 million Bitcoin and you know 20 yeah, 21 million Bitcoin, which are divisible to eight decimal places, to not uh, at least purchase a tiny little sliver. So that you have a hedge against, you know, just in case Fiat decides to uh, collapse on itself. Um, the easiest way to do it is to download um, Cash App, which is available for iOS or Android. Like, I'm not getting paid to to shield this at all. Um, and you can you can buy it directly from the app. You can buy as little as one dollar worth of Bitcoin. You know, you see it's like ten thousand dollars right now, and like, oh, I can't afford to buy Bitcoin. You can buy, you know, up to eight decimal places worth of Bitcoin, and uh, so you, you can just convert your That's fiat into Bitcoin right there on the Cash App. Right there on Cash I App. Lo- and, and I, I, I love that because it's it's it used to be harder to get Bitcoin, more complicated. Oh, it's yeah. becoming easier and easier. Uh, so the on the on ramp system, the adoption system problem was was a big deal before. Like one of the, when I I heard about Bitcoin, I remember on one of my podcasts I interviewed somebody like in 2014. I was talking about Bitcoin with, with them uh, briefly, and. I had I hadn't owned no Bitcoin. I had no idea. When I first wanted to try to get into Bitcoin, I had to sign up for an exchange, and I had to you know give my uh, you know copy my license and all these different things. And I had to transfer money from my bank. Um, Cash App is really super easy. An- another really really easy way for somebody to acquire Bitcoin, um, and they don't even have to really do much. Is like they can. Uh, there's a, an app called Lo- Lolly. Go to lolly.com. L O L L O L L I dot com. We'll put in the show and notes. It's basically, it's basically, yeah, sure. It's it's basically like a cashback system. So you you go to like Walmart or Jet dot com and you you shop normally and you kind of you click the the link before you go to shop and they'll deposit 
um, the the you know like three or five percent cash back in the form of Bitcoin into your account, and you can cash it out and move it into a, a hardware wallet or a wallet on your phone or wallet or computer, which you know that's outside the scope of this particular conversation right now. But um, go to Cash App, just buy five dollars worth, um, and uh, you know just the the idea of a Christian, in my opinion, staying on zero or having no Bitcoin is a very dangerous place to be. Okay. All right. Well, Adam, real quick, where can I know you've been tweeting a lot about a lot of this stuff. So those who, those who want to, you know, chase chase you, follow you down that rabbit hole. Where can they find you? Uh, the best place to to follow me on my thoughts on Bitcoin is at Adam Paul Moore on Twitter. Adam Paul Moore M O O R E. Um, one last one last thing I want to plug. There is a book, a really really good book that talks about the monetary system of Bitcoin. It's called the Bitcoin standard. And, yeah. um, it, it's, it's pretty much the, the modern classic on, on it. And if you have any, if you have any inkling at all that you want to get, uh, learn more information about it, I highly, highly, like, if you buy the book and you realize like, Oh, this is a terrible book, uh, contact me and say, you recommend it to me and I hate the book. I'll buy it from you and you can ship it to me. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the money. All right. He's sounds, very sounds certain good. about it. Yeah. Good deal. Like that. All right, Adam, hang on the line real quick. Um, thank you for, for joining us. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time and thank you listeners for tuning in. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. It was good to, to be with you. Discuss Bitcoin. It's really an enthralling subject. There's so much to cover on basic economics, money transactions and, and so forth. Um, but yeah, you can find us online. Check us out on Facebook. Um, you can look us up on the website, crosscrownchurch.com as well. Um, but that's it for us. We will uh, catch you next time. Double up, we don't play around, it's a bet, lay it down Cause they didn't know me, 91, bet they know me now I'm the young Harlem with the Goldie sound Can't no PD, just hold me down Cooler, school me to the game, now I know my duty Stay humble, stay low, blow like hootie True pimp, spin no dough on the booty When you yell, there go mace, there go your cutie